From New York Women in Film and Television, this is Shot Collars, a podcast that celebrates the work of women behind the scenes and in front of the camera in film, television, and digital media. I'm here today with Monica Vega Gorson. She is a producer. Monica, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me today on a beautiful day. Yeah, it's a beautiful day outside. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to ask you to start out, what drew you to working in film and television and commercials? Oh, wow. Um, it's a funny story, to tell you the truth. Um, you know, when I, when I first started college, uh, I was going to be an archaeologist. And then in college, I switched my major to geology. And then my senior year, I was like, oh, wait, I don't want to be in the lab for six months. So I switched <laughs> it to Spanish. And when I graduated, I didn't really have any job prospects. It was um, right before 9-11, you know, as in North Carolina, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Oh, where did you go to school? Uh, Appalachian State. Oh, cool. Yeah, Mountain I years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to school in the South, too. I went to Emory. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We used to play rugby against you guys. Yeah. Um, and so I really didn't know what I was doing. I was a door-to-door salesman for AT&T for a few months, right that summer. And then I, it was just such a horrible job, and I just cold called a school system and said, hey, do you happen to need any Spanish teachers? And then within an hour, um, an elementary school called me and they needed a Spanish teacher. So that's where it kind of started because I kept using documentaries and music and television shows to teach my kids about, you know, the culture and, you know, everything about the, the Latin American culture that they had not been exposed to, you know, living in North Carolina. At that time, it was it was not a very diverse time <laughs> and so um they were just like oh you speak Mexican I'm like no I speak Spanish <laughs> and I would just kind of threw out the the syllabus and just put on the television and try to show them things that made us you know more connected and it really got through the children um third through eighth grade and I was like wait a minute like I can totally do this I can maybe maybe I should go into film and connect and do stories that help people learn without them realizing that. And then I looked into film schools and I found uh, North Carolina School of the Arts, which I think is the top, (laughs) the best. Um, You know, I looked at NYU, I looked at a number of schools full sale uh, for grad programs and I just decided that um, North Carolina School of the Arts, even though it was another undergrad program, had the best to offer. And I went to film school, and I got out, and I've just been hustling ever since. That's fantastic. Do you remember what your first uh, film job was, or like the first time you really felt like you were working in the film or television? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, It was the summer before I started film school, and I had gotten a job at the local um, television station in Winston-Salem, WXII 
and um, I had the morning news shift, printing out the scripts and laying everything out and then doing the teleprompter and like having to be at work at 2 a.m. was totally crazy because wow. <laughs> the, the morning news starts at 5. Right, yeah. yeah. So uh, that that experience has actually helped me. I'm in the development phase of a, of a script right now that um, it's loosely inspired by, by that time period. That's so cool. So how did you fall into producing as a career? You know what? I think fall into is a really great a great way of putting it. Um, you know, when I was going in, when I was in film school, I just really excelled in camera. And um, I decided, oh, I'm going to be a first AC. And then I got really lucky. And um, Robert Elswick came to our school. And um, he was sort of my mentor. I came up on to New York. With, on Michael Clayton as the camera PA and before that time I had worked at Aerie and then Aerie here in New York said oh you can totally work here and so I started working here when I was at Aerie working I'd always known that I wanted to eventually be a producer and find the right script and find the right director and create the right team and just create a story and experience so that people can just, when they're having a bad day, they can just like watch one of my films and check out and just escape and just forget about their bad day or whatever is going on in their life at that moment. And I had two different colleagues, both of which had over 20 years of experience. They're like, you know what, Monica, like if you want to produce and you're in camera right now, you need to make the switch now while it's, it's a lateral move and not when you're up here, super established, union AC, and then move back down because you have to start your life again. And I was like, I don't know what that means. And they're like, oh, it's called the golden handcuffs. <laughs> and I thought about it and I just made the switch. And um, i super lucky. My husband was super supportive that first year. You know, it was different. It was, um, you know, getting coffee taking out the trash. I was a PA. I had to start all over again. Um, but I did it, and I worked my way up, and now I produce. That's fantastic. I think it's so interesting because I've talked to other producers who had, you know, different journeys to producing. I think that there's not one path to take to becoming a producer. Right, unless you are born with a load of money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, then you could just say, I'm a producer. And... That's true, yeah. <laughs> For most people, there's not the one path. They usually start doing right. something else, and then they come to it. You if know, if you come from hum- humble beginnings of myself, you just kind of have to like grunt work. <laughs> so, talk to me about how you choose projects. Like, do they come to you? Do you initiate projects? Do you have partners that you tend to work with? How does that work for you? Well, um, it's like a, it's a melange really, because it's, you know, there's a number of projects that are coming from my own brain that I'm trying to find partner, writing partners with, and we've been working on stuff together for a few years. Other times I just meet people on set or, you know, I met this one guy, he was an assistant, director's assistant, and we've just maintained a relationship through these years. And, you know, now we're in the talks of a feature and um, he's a successful music, um, music video director. Another guy, uh, my last feature that went to South by Southwest, um, Gary Gardner, um, he's actually an SBA alum. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and I met at an IFP 
conference. I was volunteering. He was in line. We couldn't figure out where we knew each other, but we kept talking through it. Realized we've worked on a couple commercials together. Mm. A year later, our film, you know, two years later, our film is in South by Southwest. Mm, that's fantastic. So um, I just kind of like put myself out there and like to the universe and just like I say it. I know it so, sounds so cheesy, but I just put out there like I want to meet somebody really cool and interesting. I want to work on something that's gritty. Something like that, you know, and sure enough, sooner or later, it comes back to me Mm. in a really cool package. And um, just recently, I worked on an incredible short um, with uh, NIAWIFT member Caroline Roberts. We just finished our short called Lilia Mara, and Tracy Sarah is the uh, co-writer on it, and she's also a NIAWIFT member. And... It was just a ladies' night out, one of the cocktail things, and we were just talking, and she had also gone to college in North Carolina, and she was telling me about her idea, and I was like, I'm 10,000% in, (laughs) and within two months, shot out, now we're in post, so um, yeah, I'm just open. I think that's great, because I think sometimes... People struggle to make connections. You know, they want to work, they want to, you know, meet people, but it can be hard to to network, to meet people, to like make the connections. And how do you approach that? I know that you're just like open to meeting people. Do, do you have any techniques that you use or any advice that you might be able to give to people who maybe are a little shy about? Yeah, I've never been, I hear what you're saying. Um, I guess I got my networking boot camp when I was a little girl. I've been to 14 schools, Mm. and I'm an only child, and I grew up on a farm in North Carolina, (laughs) and I'm from Costa Rica. My mom and I moved to America when I was, you know, um, two, and so when I was little, I didn't speak any English. Obviously, I'm pretty fluent now, but I still have my ESL moments. Um, But always being the new kid was either, you know, not socializing and being totally like a loner and being bummed out or just putting myself out there. And um, sometimes I crashed and burned. Sometimes I was super successful depending on the school and, you know, what was going on. And... Yeah, I've just taken that mentality of like, you know what, uh, and I and I carry it through everything. Tu ya tienes el no, you know, you already have the answer now. Mm-hmm. So if you go for it, then something comes really cool out of it, then you totally win. Mm-hmm. But if you don't go for it, then you're in the same place, which is fine too. You know, sometimes you know um, you gotta stay in and read, pe- feel people out. And um, for advice, uh, take a take a person with you, a wingman. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm my husband's wingman. My husband's incredibly shy, and so you know when we go out to business functions and stuff like that, I'll go with him and help break the ice. So if you are a shy person, um, get the chattiest friend of yours, <laughs> and and get, you know, but don't let them drink because then they'll get too loquacious. <laughs> Um, but just help somebody kind of like break the ice, do a little joke, kind of like make you feel comfortable in your own skin and then you'll really be able to shine. And, you know, um, that's, I think really helpful and 
do a little bit of homework before you go out. Like if you're going to a networking event, sometimes if you know somebody is going to be there that you really want to meet, you know, just do a little research. So you, not to sound cheesy, but you can say something like, oh, I really liked X, Y, and Z, and it can, it could be like a segue into a deeper conversation, maybe. I mean, I don't know if that would work for everybody, but I don't, maybe I'm doing it wrong and I make people uncomfortable. <laughs> well, I mean, it's working so far because you're meeting people and collaborating with them, so obviously there was something about that experience that they wanted to keep working with you, so no, I think that's really great. Um, I wanted to ask about you know the projects you work on. So... What kind of projects are you passionate about, or what you know really gets those creative juices flowing? Oh wow! I mean, I work on like really different stuff all the time. I mean, my bread and butter are commercials, and I know people kind of snub their nose at commercials, but it is incredibly hard to put a story into fifteen or thirty seconds mm-hmm. and have you know a turning point and it be something memorable. But I feel like that's been the best boot camp. So when I'm looking at projects, I'm trying to find something that is that grabs me. Um, for example, Lily and Mara, it was really a combination of the story and uh, the writing team, Caroline Roberts and Tracy Sayre. Uh, they are just an incredible duo, and the story is fantastic. And I would, it just got me excited to not only work on such a great story, but with, with, a, with a great team of women. And with The Nymphettes, it's a rowdy movie. It's a rock and roll movie. It's an um, after-hours movie. Um, am I allowed to cuss? Yeah. Oh, it's like you don't give a flying fuck movie. It's fantastic. <laughs> and I loved going on that ride. You know, and I love working with Gary Gardner. Uh, He's incredible. He's just so creative, so smart, um, and he has the best taste in music. (laughs) And then, um, you know, I got really lucky on Michael Clayton as a camera PA. I mean, Robert Elswood, I mean, he's just, he paints with light. He's just incredible. Uh, And then I worked on um, Junebug as their extras casting director, and I just wanted to get into a film, Mm -hmm. you know, so all these things are so different. And I guess what it is, is that they kind of mirror my personality Mm. or there's just so many different things about me because I have traveled so much and I did come from different cultures and different, just, just different experiences that I just look for something that kind of speaks to me. And again, like I say, just helps me tune out once I watch it. Like even when I watch the Nymphettes, um, you know, I forget about my day. I'm engrossed in the movie and that's what I really look for is like, okay, is this project something that can help somebody escape and like tune out? I think that's so great. Um, and you've mentioned that, um, a few of your recent collaborators have been NYWIFT members. What, um, what are some of the benefits that you've found by being a part of an organization like NYWIFT or any other, um, industry organizations that you're a part of? Oh, wow. I mean, NIAWIFT is in, is incredible. It's really, um, I've met some incredible women, and it makes me feel that I'm on the right path. You know, bef- before NIAWIFT, I just knew commercial people, and I felt sort of like a loner in, you know, this path of 
of being a filmmaker, a narrative filmmaker in, in New York City. Um, it's not like when you're in L.A., mm-hmm. you know, where it's everywhere and you can just, it's so easy to network. I feel like New York is just so different. I feel like it's more isolated. Um, mm-hmm. And then the work hours are just crazy here. You know, when you're on a television show, forget about it. You never get to network. Right. <laughs> you know, and in a commercial shoot, you're going from one to one to one. And you do socialize quite a bit, but it's just with other people that are commercials. Right. And so, um, Niawift, I've, I've met some incredible women that have incredible history and have an incredible future and um, are motivating and inspiring and 10 times smarter than I'll ever be and I just hope they'll let me work with them in the future but I it's been it's been a game changer for me in the in this past year um it's just really been a game changer I've learned so much yeah I mean I think that that tends to be one of the strongest things about the organization is that people feel connected in a way that you don't necessarily have. I mean, there's so many people in New York. It seems like everyone would feel connected and people would never be, you know, feel like a loner, feel like an outsider, but it's not the case. It's almost like because there are so many people, it's actually easier to feel isolated. It is, absolutely. And I feel like what Nywif does is she... She. She's the organization. (laughs) Um, I feel like Niowef creates this, like, really cool house party feel. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, everybody, come over to our house. Here's some apps. Here's some hors d'oeuvres. Oh, here. Here, me. You know, when you... It's like the perfect host, Mm -hmm. Niowef. You know, she introduces you to some great people. She's lovely of getting you kind of out of that corner and saying, no, no, come here. And... Do, you know, come and be on this committee or this panel or join us on this ladies' night out or join us at this seminar and it gets you out of your shell and then after a while, you know, you're enjoying the party like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And um, I love that. I love the sisterhood of it. It's fantastic. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, <laughs> so I want to ask you, what is the best or maybe most influential piece of advice you've ever been given in in your career? The silence is me thinking. (laughs) Um, I mean, honestly, it's probably back to what I said earlier. Tu ya tienes el no. You already have the, you already have the answer now. Um, right, like the worst anyone could say is is no. So yeah, and I apply that yeah. everywhere. My you know, meeting my husband and getting married and taking that leap and moving to New York, um, and it wasn't so much advice, but maybe watching my mom, you know, and the just the first female you know leader in my life and. She, she kind of used that, you know, she left Costa Rica with a single woman, you know, with a child, and, she, you know, it was like that thing, like, tu ya tienes no, you already have the answer no, so she came to America, she didn't know any English, and she just tried for it, and she just, you know, you know, you know fall sometimes, it's cool, mm-hmm. but um, I just kind of used that, I think that's the best advice, I really don't even remember who told me that, I feel like. If you're listening, tell me who you are. <laughs> I forgot. It was such, it's, and it's been, it's been profound because it, 
somebody must have told that to me um, when I was a school teacher because I just went for it. Mm-hmm. I felt just it's like a release. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I already have the answer now. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Um, is there anything that you've learned in your career that you wish you'd known five years ago or 10 or 15 years ago? Oh, you know what? Um, and this has been a problem for me for quite some time. I get a little, little envious of where people are in their career at my age. Um, and so, you know, cause I, I took a, I took, you know, the back roads to get to here, mm-hmm. you know, I took some side, some scenic routes and, um, wish what I I wish I've known it was all about connections. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish somebody would have just sat me down and said, hey, listen, like you, you can be the smartest person in the room, but if nobody likes you, they're not going to hire you. Mm-hmm. And you got to put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. And I haven't really started doing that until the past three years. Mm-hmm. Um. Before that, you know, you're just like, if you're the best AC, if you're the best camera person, people are going to call you. Mm-hmm. Not that same way in production. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. A little bit in producing, a little bit, but it's like, it's just so different, you know, trying to to get a film done and, and knowing, um, knowing just certain things and nuances. And I think the other thing was, I, I wish I would have taken some business classes. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if you are a freelance film producer and you are wearing all the hats and you don't mm-hmm. have any time and you really are an indie producer, mm-hmm. you're doing it yourself. You're yeah. looking at your music contracts by yourself. Mm-hmm. You're trying to figure out your cam accounts, you mm-hmm. know, and so um, and I might even consider taking a, a, some business classes now. Yeah, because it's. You are the you're the math you're the accountant you're the mm-hmm. the lawyer <laughs> you're everything and you're also you're like your your directors you know rock your yeah. your DPs rock your actors you know and then you come home and then you have to have your own private life mm-hmm. but um I wish I would have I wish if if you're an up up and coming producer and you're just getting your sea legs take some business classes. Right. <laughs> No, I, I think I think that that's great. I think you know business classes, law classes. There are certain things that would be really helpful because sometimes you don't have if you don't. Sometimes you have a lawyer, but you don't have like constant access to them, or you have people. Or you don't who even know what to ask. You don't know what to ask exactly. So it's like even knowing like what might be missing from this contract in the beginning, or you know, yeah, yeah. Or so, just a simple phrase of like in perpetuity. Yeah. Or the universe as opposed to yeah. North America. And, um, yeah, like usage, you know, on especially in like commercials, it's such a big yeah. deal. And, like, sometimes but it's people it, no, just it's look the same over the in, usage. In film. Oh, that's it's the true same too. in film. That's true too. It's the mu- it, It's yeah. just, I'm telling you, I've never, I was in such a boot camp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, it's scary, but, you know, you just got to go through it and make, you know, but. I think I will take my own advice and <laughs> take this class right now. Hey, I mean, I think it's definitely worth it. Um, so, is there anything? I'm sure there is. So I'm going to rephrase that. What do you wish other people knew 
about your job that you know something that people don't tend to understand about what you do I think they need to just well it, it's it's so funny because you, you have you seen these little like photographs or posters on Facebook they're like what you think you do, what your oh, mom yeah. thinks you do. <laughs> and yeah, and yeah. Then I was joking with you earlier, you know, it's this kitten wrangler is the fine what you really do is for producing your wrangling kittens. And um but I think that kind of sums it up. You are you are the center of the wheel. Mm-hmm. Right? Um when you're the head of your own department, that's your department. That's mm-hmm. your own crazy that you get to work with. That's great. I get to work with everybody's crazy. Mm-hmm. So if somebody in the art department is having a hard time with a, with a colleague, uh, I have to mediate that so that it's, it's free-flowing. Um, if there is a conflict with scheduling, I have to work with my ADs and you know locations and the actors. And you know I'm the person. They all come to me, and then I have to feng shui it. Mm-hmm. And... I think people have to understand that the reason why we could be a little short-tempered or snappy or grouchy, it's mm-hmm. because we're tired, <laughs> we're sleepy, um, and probably malnourished. <laughs> um, but not me. I, I eat through my feelings. But <laughs> but I think um, I think I wish people would just take a moment and just kind of see like how much we're juggling and. Uh, you're the pro- you're the project manager and you have everything on your shoulders and um, you're just gonna try to keep it together you know like a like an orchestra mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's a lot to handle but it's a fantastic it's it's so, so rewarding you know that's so great yeah so what are you up to next and um, do you have any projects that you know we should be looking out for, and are there ways that you know people listening can support your work? Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I was just telling you, we're just now in post, Lily and Mara. Uh, we are still, you know, raising some funds on Indiegogo, so you can find us on, you know, Indiegogo, Lily and Mara, for finishing funds, and we're currently in post. Then. After that, I'm in the middle of reading some screenplays. I have about four to five right now. I'm in development of one called Truck Stop. Mm. And um, we have, the writer is Dan Peller. And my other, my, my colleague, my other producer is Chris Hayes. And we're currently just flushing some things out and, and starting to look for directors. So if you're a director out there and you're looking for a comedy script, call me. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. How do you how do scripts come to you? Like how does how does that process start? You know, it circles back to networking, you know. Um, for example, Dan Peller, this writer, he and I used to work commercials together and he was like, you know what, Monica, I'm leaving New York, I'm gonna go to LA and do what I wanna do. I'm like, what's that? I thought you were in production, <laughs> like me. And he's like, No, I'm a writer. I'm like, give me your stuff. <laughs> How we've we been working together for years, and I didn't know you're a writer. Fantastic work, you know, just really just great comedy, and so um, that's that's one way. And then just other networking and meeting friends, and people are like, oh, I'm a writer, but I'm kind of shy. I'm like, whatever, give me your stuff, <laughs> let me read it, you know. 
And um, that's pretty much what I do. And if I find something and try to work with it for a while, and you know, my my problem is that I'm the type of producer. I'm super great with logistics and financing and stuff like that, but I'm not the money person. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. something I'm still trying to navigate and, and learn and grow. You know, because I too am still getting my seat legs, but I, I guess everybody is in life. Yeah, something, one of the things that I've learned is that in some ways no one knows what they're doing or no one like fully is like an expert at something, you know? Unless you're Spielberg. (laughs) Yeah. Even like the people who, you know, have risen to the top, who have like Oscars and Emmys and who are executives, they still don't feel like, like they've got this yet a lot of the time, you know? So I think that everyone is always feeling a little. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel that way. And you know, I'm, I think being having a mentor is great. I mean, I've been looking for some mentors. I had some great mentors in camera. Um, and I have some, I get good advice from other people here and there now. But, um, you know, I've, I really am looking for a clan. And I feel like I found it with Naya Wift. So instead of getting one mentor, I got hundreds of mentors with Naya mm-hmm. Wift. And I think that's been a very huge change for me where, uh, it's okay not to know something and speak up. And then there's just, just, just some wonderful women like there. I know that I can reach out to them and they can give me advice. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a safe place to be like, I don't really know what I'm doing. And they're <laughs> like, it's okay. We've done this. We got your back. This is what you got to do. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think that sometimes people are so afraid. I think especially women that sometimes we're afraid to, show yeah or speak up or like show any like weakness we don't want anyone to think like we don't want to make any mistakes you know so I think that it's really important especially when you're in a group of other women to have that freedom to say hey I need help hey where does that come from where does where does that come oh, from? Oh man, that blows my mind. <laughs> but it's true though. Like it's ten thousand like percent true. Of, of failure or looking or, like or, you or don't looking, know what you're looking doing, like you don't know what you're doing, or, or making a mistake or anything. So you kind of don't speak up. And sometimes we just need to speak up. And I think a community of women it makes it easier for other women Absolutely. to speak up and say, "Hey, Absolutely. I need help with this," or "I don't understand this," or. You know, do you know how to do this? Like all these different things that are actually usually relatively simple, but we can feel just, I think people are so afraid of, of other people thinking that they don't know what they're doing. Women, Uh, women, not people, women. That's true. I see it constantly for the, from, from high school, a man or a boy given a challenge or a position where they are maybe they're not qualified for. And I, I, I spoke about this at the, um, the New York Independent Film Festival a few weeks ago. Um, and you, you, those people could, you know, those men could be presented a position and they'll just go for it. Mm-hmm. Whether or not they're ready for it or they have the skills, they just go for it, they figure it out, they ask people, they get the job done. Um, same position, same situation scenario with a woman or a girl. I've seen it time and time again. My girlfriends, my colleagues are like, oh, I don't, I don't, I just got called to line produce this thing, but I don't think I'm ready. I've never done it before. 
um, I passed on it. I'm like, are you nuts? <laughs> yeah. They're like, I just don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, there's, I work for tons of men that don't know what they're doing, and I'm doing their job for them. The person that's calling you is the person that who thinks that you are ready, so you should next time take the job. Yeah. And, um, you know, I started doing that because I, I was doing it to myself. I'd be, like, turning down jobs, and I was like, what am I – my husband I, – I actually got this from my husband because he was like, why are you turning this down? And I was like, well, I just don't think I'm ready. He's like, who cares? <laughs> He's like, you just do it, and you just – figure it out and that's when it clicked Mm -hmm. I was like men just go for it and they just figure it out and I I hate to like make it really broad and stereotypical but I've just never met a a guy who has says no I I think I'll I I think I'll pass I'm not ready every every man I've ever worked with just goes for it and then they turn to me and be like what do I do I'm like oh you just do this (laughs) yeah yeah I was reading um this is a little while back, but I was reading this study about men and women applying for jobs. And it was basically like if there are, let's say there's 10 requirements for this job, right? Mm-hmm. A woman will feel like she needs to have seven out of those 10 to be qualified and apply for a job. A man would apply with three. <laughs> yeah. And I, like, and I read that in my mind. I was like, well, how would you possibly get this job? And you only have three out of the and 10. And they That's get crazy. the job. And they get the job. They though, get the job. Like, like in my mind, it was like it wouldn't because they're up until confident. that point. They're but, confident, yeah. but and up until we're not. I read that, I never would have thought like, oh, I should apply for a job that only fit thirty percent of the qualified. Like what? That's crazy. But I read that, <laughs> and I was like, but they apply for those jobs and then they get them. So it's a mental it's thing. Like it's not, it's you know. A- but we feel like, oh, I have to have a like they won't even consider me or take me seriously unless I have this full list of qualifications or ladies you don't have to be perfect you just have to do it there's a whole sisterhood that will have your back if you have a question just reach out or we feel like we have to like check off like every box before i was like that i was like that and you know what i stopped i like listened to my husband i was like i can't if i would (laughs) i would still be getting coffee (laughs) (laughs) and sometimes you just have to tell people like no like I can do this. Like you absolutely you just can have to do say it. it. Cause yeah. that was, that was my thing as well. Like I was kind of like, I'm doing a good job and you know, if I just do my job, like people will realize and like eventually they'll, you know, move me up. Like that's how it works. And it was like, Oh wait, no, like you gotta see sell other yourself. people being like, I should do this. And they'd be like, okay. And I'm like, wait a second. Hold on. <laughs> you just put it yeah. out there and like, you just put it out I'm there in the great. Hire me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. It's like, yeah, I'm great. Hire me. And people are like, okay. <laughs> They'd be a car salesman. Yeah, exactly. You kind of have to like toot your own horn and be like, yeah, you should. Nobody else you should will. hire me. Yeah. I mean, you'll great. have those, you know, a few gems of, of colleagues and friends or your mom. <laughs> <laughs> She's but, so great. I know, yeah. Right? Um, but no, I just realized is like, I have to put myself out there. I have to say yes. And like on like be a duck on the water and underneath. I'm like, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? But I'm doing it right. It's just, and it, that's what's so frustrating is that, like you said, I have seventy percent. I got it down, but whatever reason, that thirty percent, I'm it's just eating me, and I have to just let it go and know mm-hmm. that I have a support system that I can reach out to. Yeah, and also realizing that most of us are pretty smart and will learn quickly. Like, sometimes, you know, there's something that's like, oh, well, I've never, 
used that software before, or I've never worked with that camera before, I've never done that, and you feel like, oh, I have to have worked on that specific thing before, before I can actually do it. It's like, most of those things you can learn in a day, though. You know, I, I was listening to this podcast, and it was the director, forgive me, I forget his name, the director of Creed. Ryan Coogler. Thank you, and it was Fruitville Station, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And here's an incredible director. Mm-hmm. In the story, in the in the podcast, he's going like, he didn't know what was going on, and you know, his AD picks him up for the first day of the shoot, and the guy's like, okay, first we're going to go to holding, and then we'll go to set. And the director's like, what's holding? <laughs> that moment <laughs> in that podcast, if you ever listen to me, <laughs> like... That made me feel so much better. Like, you don't have to know mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. to be an incredible director. And he's an incredible mm-hmm. storyteller. He's a great director, yeah. Does that mean he has to know about holding? No, that's not his job. Yeah. So that made me feel like a release. I was like, here's a classic example of a man who isn't afraid to say I don't know everything, but knows the ta- what he can do, and, that, and that's a storyteller. And that made me feel... Listening to that podcast last year made me feel so much better about being a producer and on my path and figuring it out. And I'm like, you know what? Like, this man has made two incredible movies. He didn't mm-hmm. even know what holding was going into his first feature. Yeah. I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those things that where I also know, like, just like personally, I know if I hadn't known what holding was, I wouldn't have asked. I would have, like, tried to Google it or something. But because I, I but, but like, yeah. like, I would have been like, embarrassed to like ask and like show any ignorance or show any like weakness you know there's that thing of like I don't want people to think I don't know what I'm doing you know or did like this idea it's like oh if I ask a question like that will I be like laughed at like oh you don't know what holding is huh well we're talking about it now (laughs) (laughs) exactly you know but I'm not laughing at it It but it's actually a release for me exactly that's what I'm saying like but like because he didn't care about that like he just like asked and it was answered, I'm sure, and he made two great movies. Sure, so, yeah, exactly. I'm know, sure the so. AD was like, uh... Yeah. Like there, I'm sure there was probably like a it's, moment, but at the same time, I mean, like, he killed it. He's like, okay, like, cool, great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and not to be afraid to just, like, ask questions, you know. Yeah. You don't have to be an don't expert have to be when you at everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Um, so I have one more question to ask. Um... Because we're not just people who, you know, make things. We also, you know, watch things, hopefully. We try to watch a few things every once uh, once in a while. Um, so I wanted to know, you know, what you're watching, whether it's like TV. What or my jam is film. right now. Yeah, like what you're into. Um, anything that you can recommend would be great. I, my husband and I went down the dark path and knocked out all of Game of Thrones in four weeks. Wow. It was... That's, that's, were... a, that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> so we're just now, we're catching up. I have one more episode, and then we'll be up in, you know, for for this weekend's um, episode. Wow. But those were, yeah. Wow. Yeah, four weeks. So wait, so you started from the beginning. And I knew nothing. Wow. I don't... And I'm on, I'm on Twitter, I'm on Facebook, but anytime... I was just so... I, I'm one of those people like, this is an amazing show. This is an amazing movie. You've just guaranteed that I'm not going to watch it for a while. <laughs> I was like, and I'm not, because then I believe the hype. And uh-huh. then you like, it, 
it's like when people are like, this pizza is amazing. And you like have a slice of pizza and you're like, oh, this, this is whack. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, what is this deep dish? Like, I, I don't like, understand. Seriously, <laughs> Chicago. Sorry, but I'm hating. And um, I hate Chicago pizza. Me so too. I'm like, I did not <laughs> want a lasagna. <laughs> anyway, to focus back on Game of Thrones. So people had talked about it so much. I was like, I can't be this good. Like, whatever. And then um, I was like, okay, okay, I'm going to go for it. And we started watching it. And we're like, what the shit? We've been missing out. <laughs> like, damn it. But then I was so happy because, like, we just, we just, we, you could keep up with the storyline mm-hmm. and all these different arcs and um, incredible production design, incredible yeah. editing, incredible everything. Um and so that's been my jam or my sick obsession. I don't mm-hmm. I guess the lines are kind of blurry there. It must be fascinating <laughs> because as someone who watched it from the beginning, over oh, like there six are tons years. of things I've forgotten. Like I've forgot like so much and there's so much like you Six know, weeks in. Yeah. I'm like, such a like like the it's harder to connect the threads because it'll be like, Oh yeah, remember this guy that was in like season two? He yeah. Pops up again in season five. We're like, who was that guy again? Yeah. I remember, like, there's something. Oh, it's that guy. Where, yeah. You almost need cliff notes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm sure if <laughs> That's you watch what them called, back right? to back. But, yeah. 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 <laughs> you watch them, like, back to back, it's like, oh, yeah, it's, it's a stronger uh-huh. sense of, like, through line because there's all these random people that kind of pop up. Right. Three seasons later, and you're like, oh, you. Yeah. Yeah. What's your name again? <laughs> Who exactly. Are you? What's your relationship to whatever? Yeah. Uh, movie-wise, movie-wise, there's just, it's just been such a great few years in cinema. Um, you know, something that really touched me a few years ago, Rust and Bone. Mm, That's great. Cried my eyes out! That's so great. (laughs) I was bawling. It's just like, and it was something I went into not knowing anything about it. Same here. so I was just like... It was heart red. Yeah, I was just eyes red. Caught like just, just she was just an incredible arc. Just, just beautifully written for a woman. Um, a guilty pleasure. Uh, let's see, all the Captain Americas, all the <laughs> Iron Man. I am such. Um, when Victoria came to speak at the Muse Awards, I was like foaming at the mouth. Ah, uh, yeah, Marvel um, Cinematic Universe. Oh my God, um, dream job. Yeah, <laughs> work in a studio system and create these beautiful stories that people just mm-hmm. watch and escape. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that's there's just so many things out right now. Mm-hmm. I mean. Uh, good and bad kind of it's like the market's so saturated like there's just so much on Netflix right now and FX and um, indie cinema there's just so many great storytellers right mm-hmm. now it's like you don't have the bandwidth yeah yeah it can be hard to decide it's like oh am I gonna watch a movie or am I gonna go home and catch up on episodes of this or that and there are like Netflix shows that I like that you know, oh, the new season aired, like, three months ago or whatever, but it's, like, I just haven't gotten to it yet. Like, I just haven't gotten to... Yeah. yeah, I haven't gotten to the House of Cards yet, or I haven't gotten to... You know, it's, like, I gotta... You know, it's, like, I have time. I'll get there. Eventually. I have a a recent guilty pleasure. Um, I had Netflixed a movie for my mom. She's down in North Carolina. 
Uh, I sent her Kate and Leopold <laughs> with Hugh Jackman and Meg Ryan. Uh-huh, and my uh-huh. mom tells me, she'll call me and she'll give me her, her movie rundown of what she liked and did not like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's like, Monica, you have to see Kate and Leopold. And I was like, you know, I've never seen it. <laughs> she's like, get fuck. Yay, Monica. <laughs> and so I watched it um, maybe like three weeks ago. And I was like, oh, I've, I miss this like 90s, like, rom-com yeah like just they really just, don't make movies like that anymore they don't yeah they just it was just so good and i, I love nancy myers anything mm-hmm. nancy myers yeah she's it's, my it's jam tough to find. yeah I, I was talking to someone else about that recently that you know the you know romantic comedy with a woman at the center mm-hmm. where she is often going through some sort of life transition yeah and, you know, maybe meeting one or two or three different guys and deciding what she wants to do with her life. Like, those really, you just don't see them anymore. Oh, did you not see much. The Other Woman with Cameron Diaz? I did see that, and, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I thought that was a guilty pleasure. Yeah, it was silly. It was definitely Oh, silly. it's a, it's 10,000%. <laughs> You're having a bad day at work. You turn on the tube, you put that in, and you're mm-hmm. like, okay. You're like, this is very, very silly. Yeah, but yeah. it can be hard to find. I mean, I think a lot of, uh, maybe not like an issue, but something that's just like a trend in, um, especially more kind of like Hollywood studio films, is you just don't see a lot of film with women in the lead, period. Whether oh, it's a well, romance yeah. or whether it's... That's life. Yeah. <laughs> There's just like, yeah, that's it's, it's politics, where, everything. Yeah, and um, it used to be like in the romantic comedy, usually like a woman would be the lead. So if you have fewer romantic comedies, you notice even more. that Like, there's really not that many, you know, movies yeah. that have women in the lead. I mean, at least not like at, at that level. Right. You have to go to like the indie movies and go to like... And then you the, always have like the Angelina Jolie kind of like, that thing they're like oh well what about Angelina Jolie like she hustled like mm-hmm. she knew what she wanted to do and she had the right people supporting her mm-hmm. and I think um you know what uh Robin Wright just recently did mm-hmm. coming out about you know uh, equal pay equal hell yeah yeah she was like fuck you I'm doing this and I loved it and I've always been a big fan of hers you know um for years, I mean, like, we've been following her since the 80s, you yeah. know? And her speaking up recently, I was like, hell and yeah. she's like, yeah, she's like, this is my show, too. It's absolutely like, her show, yeah. too. It's like, this is my show, too. We're on this together, you know? And I should get the same money. And that's, but that's something that we, meaning we as women, have to say. Like, if she had sat back and said, like, they'll realize that it's my show, too, and they'll pay me accordingly. Like she, like if she was just like, oh, you know, that will happen because they'll recognize the work that I'm putting in. No, it's like no, <laughs> it's math. It's yeah. it's film business. Yeah, and you know this circles back to what we were talking about earlier. Um, you know, when you're presented with a job and you don't think you're good enough, and you kind of keep quiet. Mm-hmm. You know, it's we're keep it's it's circling back to us. You know, as women, keeping quiet. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're in school and you don't raise your hand, even though you know the answer, you keep quiet. Exactly. You yeah. know? And um, I'm tired of being quiet. <laughs> I'm done being quiet. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to put it out there. Uh, I know my worth. And ladies, you have to know your worth. you got to speak up. Know your worth. Mm-hmm. You know, um, 
you know, think about your, your sisters, your mom, your grandmother, you know, it's, you know, everybody for being in the film business is, is an absolute luxury. So I don't want to come into this and seeing all the, the hustle that my mom had to do to get me to where I am. And then not to say fail her, but not know my worth. She right. saw my worth, mm-hmm. you know, as a child coming to America, she saw my worth. Mm-hmm. I need to understand my worth. And um, I'm getting there. It's 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 a, it's a, it's a, it's a society social kind of I don't know, you know I don't know the term for it, but you know we we need to voice up. And I think what Robin did, and I think what Jennifer Lawrence is doing, I think um, what Taylor Swift is doing, I think all these pop icons like J, you know J Lo, all these women know their worth and they're mm-hmm. holding their ground. Mm-hmm. They are absolutely just, I think, great examples of just saying, no, I, this is my work. You're not going to take it away from me. Mm-hmm. And speak up. You know, get get your pay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that there's that fear about, oh, what are people going to say or whatever. But I think that the you kind of... Someone will criticize you either way. If you aren't assertive, they'll be like, oh, she's weak. She's not stepping up. If you are assertive, it's it's like, oh, yeah, exactly. She's like, oh, she's a bitch. She's too hard. She's too tough. It's like, you know, you can't win either way. So you should just be you and go after what you want. Yeah. You can't. You just have to make yourself happy and be authentic. And um, that's what I'm trying to do. Some days I'm really successful at it. Some days I fail epically, but I think that's just life. <laughs> Some days I make a really good pasta dish. Other days it's bad. It's just take out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's so great. I've had such a good time talking to you. Oh, thank you. have had a blast. Thank you. Um, thank you so much. Yeah, it's been, um, thank you for having me. It's been, it's a beautiful conversation for a beautiful day. Thank you so much. Thanks. Shot Colors is brought to you by New York Women in Film and Television. To find out more, visit nywif.org. Shot Colors is produced by me, Destiny Lily, and the music is by Lisa Brigantino.